0: And welcome this Veterans Day to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk AM840 KXNT. Sam here. We have Ash as well. Ash? I'm here. Yes, she's here. (laughs) I can vouch for it. And we also have today... Uh, a very special guest, uh, Robbie Hagland. Robbie, welcome! Welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here with you guys. So we um, we'll get to this in a in a minute. Here we've we obviously uh, you're a dear friend. We've known you for both known you for a long time. I want for the record say I've known you uh, quite a bit longer than Ash has. Uh, we go. It's because you're both older. Well, <laughs> is that how that
1: works? That is also, um, also we also wiser. <laughs> oh, rude! We we can't forget Rocky. Rocky's here also, so just, just Rocky's so here. Knows.
0: He has the same coloring as Robbie, roughly. Um, sometimes when Robbie holds Rocky, it's funny because uh, they do look like brothers, <laughs> uh, and and I and I and I love that. So so we'll we should put up a picture here to uh, to demonstrate said fact. Robbie, you and I go back. To, well, we go back to high school. I mean, we met at the end of high school. That's yeah. a long time ago. At least it is. At least it is for me. Uh, less so for Ash. So I've known you a long time, and I knew you before you joined the military, which is why we're talking to you here today. Well, we, we've been overdue to have you on the program, regardless. But we thought with Veterans Day, neither I nor Ash have served, and we thought it would be a nice to talk to someone who is a veteran who did serve this country and uh, has that perspective. And and kind of, I, I, I'm curious. I think as we get through this, to get your get your thoughts on. What it's like to be a veteran out of the service having given a lot, and and then you know how how that kind of influences your perception of the state of the country, right? Because I think I think of it in terms of a, of a business, right? I invest in something and pour my heart and soul into it, and and then you know if things go well, it's it's deeply satisfying. If they don't go well, uh, it has a way of 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 maybe you know changing a little bit of of how I, of how of how happy I am about my investment, and and you and I've we've talked a little bit about this, so I I, I want to get greater into uh, deeper into that. So, uh, but before I do that, Veterans Day. Just for those listening here, it's it's a day off of work, right? I mean that's what it is for most people. It, it but the 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 genesis of it goes back to World War One, and. It has. It, it's a celebration of, of Armistice Day, which was the end of hostilities in World War I. World War I, we're all very removed from it now, but it, at the time, I mean, it was just a, a devastating, devastating war. And it wiped out an entire generation of, of young men or almost an entire generation of young men. Every family in Europe had, you know, had, an, had a nephew, a son, a brother, a father that was lost in the war. My own grandfather, Excuse me, my great-grandfather served in the war, but he was, I, I, he was more on the fringe. He was already an older guy, and, um, and he went to northern Italy and was in the Dolomites and apparently did some cooking for the troops, and they kind of marched around and, uh, and then, then lost the war and went home. But for most people, uh, for a lot of people, they didn't, they didn't come home, it's just a devastating conflict, so it, the, the, and, and we celebrate on November 11th because that was Armistice Day. So that's the genesis of why we get today off. And unlike Memorial Day, we celebrate not just our well, – Memorial Day is our, our veterans who've passed away and who, who died, um, and we, we remember them. But uh, today, this 11th of November, we celebrate all veterans, even the living ones, which is why we're celebrating you, Robbie. You're alive, <laughs> and you're here um, even looking at living. you. Uh, yeah, breathing. So uh, we get – today is your day. So happy Veterans Day. Thank you. And thank you for, for coming in. So – I don't know. Tell us a little bit about you. I mean, I know you, but what, you know, who are you and how did you you serve in? Yeah. Well, how did you, And why and why? There we go. All right.
2: (laughs) Well, you, uh, you brought up a lot of good stuff at the beginning. And I I think that uh, one of the things I'd want to touch on first is when you said that, you know, you, you have those, those feelings when something you invested a lot in maybe goes in a direction that you don't want it to go. And I think most veterans have mixed feelings if they're honest um because you know yeah i i didn't like the way that a lot of our conflicts went the way things are going at home there are are definitely issues that i have with um with the mission in hindsight but also you know it was something it was an experience that was very good for me i'm i'm uh one of the people lucky enough to leave i think fairly unscathed uh both physically and mentally from it and uh i got a lot out of the military i i went in knowing i needed discipline and i I think it's something that has been vastly improved you knew me in high school and so Mm -hmm. um you know i'm not i'm not completely anti-military and i'm not completely rah-rah either um what i ended up doing in the military was i went in as an arabic linguist uh for military intelligence in the air force and I ended up in Afghanistan, where they don't speak Arabic, um, but doing other intelligence work there for Joint Special Operations Command.
1: When did you enlist?
2: Uh, June 2007.
1: And what, what went into that decision? Was it strictly, I need discipline, or was there something else that you were thinking about or that kind of motivated you to serve the country in that way?
2: Yeah, discipline was secondary, but it was definitely uh, on my mind uh, first. You know, I was one of those uh, very idealistic uh, people who went in uh, for God and country. Um, and really with the idea that uh, Saddam Hussein is a, a horrible person with his, you know, boot on the neck of of the people of Iraq and wanting to help bring democracy uh, and freedom to the people of Iraq, as you know, naive as that might seem in retrospect.
1: Okay, and then I just a random question. Do you have any family members that ever served? Uh,
2: No, I mean, I had uh, an uncle who was uh, in the guard during Vietnam. Um, Both my grandparents served in World War II. Uh, my, both my grandfathers, um, both in the Navy, and uh, yeah, that that was it though. Not a lot of not a lot
0: of contact. And I don't mean to to uh, make light of this in any way, but I, I uh, my perspective on it as as an old friend of Robbie's is <laughs> you probably were the last person in my life that I would have expected to join the military, I, like eighteen year old well, Robbie. I never yeah. would have thought you would be a military dude because you were, you were absolutely always from the get-go an independent, free spirit, and that's and that's a charitable definition, right? You were a, <laughs> or a, a description, right? You were, you're, you're a rebel, and and if people told you to go left, you went right, and if people told you to go up, up, go up, you'd go down, and and just to just to just to be contrarian, I, I mean, and I don't mean this. Again, I don't mean this pejoratively. I'm just saying, Robbie, you were all, you, and you know this. You definitely were not a conformist.
2: No, and I think that's something I wanted to tame a little bit, not get rid of, but tame a little bit by going in. And it's funny because nobody. There's something called the delay entry program where you sign up for the military, but they're not quite ready for you. And so, I signed up, but I needed a seat available at their Arabic school in Monterey, California, and so when I actually signed up to go into the military, I then had to wait about nine months before uh, before I actually went to basic training. And during that nine months, I think... You know because i had said i had joined the military and then i was still there i think uh most people thought that this was <laughs> this was some sort of story i was telling
1: now did you get cold feet or did you get nervous in that nine months because
2: N- no not at all just uh anxious to go and, and i took advantage for sure of having no responsibilities because i was about to go into the military so you know it was uh i would i would you know stay up till all hours of the night and go get go get donuts when the donut shops opened around sunrise and uh, it was it was definitely you know a, a summer
0: of fun before going in okay we we need to take a quick break uh, when we come back Robbie I'm, I hope you can stay with us through the entire program today because I want to get to this your story you went in forgotten country idealism maybe a little bit of uh, of, of you know for personal improvement you joined the military I want to I want to hear I want to have you tell the story of you going of you getting deployed well, going through the program, getting deployed, and, and I know you can't tell us everything, but I, I think there's a lot you probably can and, and stuff that I think people need to hear uh, that you know maybe they haven't heard before. So if you can stay with us, very grateful for it. Thank you for being here. You're listening to Robbie Haglund, U.S. veteran here on Veterans Day. This is the What's Right show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Yes. It's this time of day, and even though it's Veterans Day, people are not working. We're working. Sam and Ash working for you here on News Talk AM Eight Forty KXNT, the What's Right Show. On Veterans Day, we love our veterans. Uh, We love most of our veterans. Some we love more than others. Mm -hmm. Okay, we love Robbie, who's in the studio with us, Robbie Haglund. Robbie, what when you by the by the time you left the military, what was your what was your rank?
2: Uh, so I was what's called staff sergeant select, um, which I kind of slow rolled because, uh, there's only a certain number of, of positions available for everybody. And knowing I was going to get out, I, um, basically ditched one of the schools so that I would never get made sergeant so that somebody else would be able to fill
0: that slot. Who was intending to stay Right. Yeah. Okay. You're
1: such a gentleman, even in the military, Robbie.
0: Well, Robbie is a is a gentleman I can vouch for that Robbie's a dear friend if, uh, if those folks just tuning in now uh, and we have him here on Veterans Day to share his story honor him and and in that process also honor all of you that have served um, uh, and and so Robbie we do have a lot of veterans uh, people in the military who listen are fans of this program uh, that live here in Las Vegas uh, and 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 we you know, Ash and I obviously are 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 proud patriots now. As well, hopefully, we go th- I won't hopefully I won't
2: do it wrong by any of them because <laughs> I think I think one of the things that uh, has has bothered me since getting out is people kind of expecting uh, veterans just because we are in this highly regimented uh, organization that we're all the same that we have all the same opinions. Um, gosh, especially saw this during the you know Kaepernick kneeling thing, and you had half of social media saying you know it's it's the most horrible desecration that's ever happened to the flag and i can't believe he's disrespecting veterans this way and veterans must be so angry and the other half saying you know instead of burning your nike stuff in protest of kaepernick you should be giving your nike stuff to homeless veterans and uh i i I think maybe the one thing before i get to anything that other vets are going to disagree with i think one thing most of them will agree with is that if if we've earned anything by serving our country, it's that right to have our own opinions um, and to not be used as pawns um, in in kind of these culture war issues um, and on, you know, battlefields
0: with as, as low stakes as, you know, a, a football field. Yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's fair. So take us through, you know you you wanted to you you wanted to learn how to speak Arabic, uh, and you went through a program at in Monterey. And I remember this. You were there. You were you, you and you learned uh, allegedly. You learned Arabic, uh, and then they sent you to Afghanistan.
2: Yeah, I mean, allegedly is the key. And it's, it's funny, I would have done a lot better with my first choice in language. So kind of what you get is you if you go in and listed um, the benefit as uh, to that as opposed to going in as an officer is you uh, can get a guaranteed job of your choice. And so mine was linguist, but I I wasn't able to select the language guarantee. What I did do, um, I really wanted to learn Persian Farsi. And so before going in I, during those, you know, nine months when I said I was, I was just having fun. Um, I was doing a little more than that. At at my own expense, I hired a private Farsi tutor, and I was trying to learn as much Farsi as I could. And one of the first things that happened after basic training is I got to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey. They said, "Here's a paper. List your five preferred languages," and I wrote them. Uh, put, you know, Farsi in the first position, wrote in the margin, you know, I've already taken language lessons in Farsi because this is the language I'm really passionate about and I'll do well in, and listed four other languages, none of which were Arabic, and uh, even wrote in the bottom, the only language (laughs) I really do not want to do is Arabic, and they, you know, it's, it's, that was my, my very first clue that, uh, this this organization needed a little bit of help in the way that they treat their personnel because they obviously, they didn't read it. What they did is they said, okay, we have these people here right now. Arabic uh, class starts in two weeks and Farsi starts in three weeks. And so we don't want this person hanging around an extra week before getting into training. So we're just going to throw him into the language he doesn't want and has no experience with. And so what they got was, uh, an Arabic linguist who spoke Arabic, you know, good enough for government work instead of, uh, an excellent Farsi speaker.
1: Is there any way, like after they told you you were speaking Arabic, did you like raise your hand and be like, hello, I, I wrote down everything. Like the one thing I didn't want to do was Arabic.
2: Yeah. So I I think in a lot of organizations, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, but uh, the grease is not something you want in the military if you're the the, if you're the squeaky wheel you you do get extra attention just (laughs) probably not not the attention you're
0: hoping for
1: got it Uh, so
0: good all right so now you get deployed um you 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 are you've everything has been academic how
1: how long were you in the training for language and your language training before you were deployed?
2: Yeah, so that took a a little bit over a year and a half that I was in Monterey. Uh, And then you go to cryptology school, um, San Angelo, Texas, for about six months. um, Maybe it was a little less than that. And then I ended up working in a in a NSA facility in Georgia. Um, And and there I was using my Arabic. I was uh, working on missions in Iraq. Uh, I got tasked to the, uh, to the very bad idea of a, uh, liberation of Libya. Um, so I was working on that mission and then, uh, basically lied my way into getting deployed in Afghanistan because, uh, in the air force, as opposed to the army in the army, you kind of had to lie your way out of deployments, but in the air force, you had to lie your way into them. And so I, uh went to my supervisor said, Hey, I, uh, I'd really love to reenlist, but, um, my bonus would be tax-free if I was in a combat zone. So, uh, there was a deployment that came across our what's called the CIPR which is the, the secret internet. Um, that's a closed system. And it's, you know, just had the name of this task force and, uh, no real details about where or when you'd go or for how long or what you'd be doing. But I got, clued in by a friend that it was a it was a good uh deployment and so
0: I went and said hey send me on this deployment and I'll I'll re-enlist while I'm over there and so yes I mean sorry, sorry. so we yeah. because we're going to come up to a break here so I want to get to the kind of the the meat of this so you you end up deploying and and you know you 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 spoke about your your motivation for going right god and country idealism personal growth that kind of thing So, so we just have a couple minutes. I want to, I want to start it now. And then, and then after the break, get into it, you know, what did you see? And, 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 you know, how did your perception, your kind of your, 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 your view, your life view start to change and evolve?
2: Yeah. So I think it was a slow process throughout the whole thing, but during my deployment, um, so I was flying around in little prop planes looking for the top terror targets in the region, um, and that was part of a, a Joint Special Operations Command mission. So JSOC—they're all the the special operators—and so my job was to find these guys, to keep an eye on them while one of those uh, one of those groups, whether it was you know SEALs or Delta Force or whoever. Uh They got ready to go capture the person or um, kill them in some cases, and in some cases that was done with uh missile strikes as well but that was that was my job so flying around looking for these top targets and uh finding them when I got lucky
0: Wow, now. All right, so you're up there and you're in little prop planes. You're looking for binoculars. How, how do you find these guys? <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of that's classified um, it, and
1: I was wondering how long it would take <laughs> for us to get here.
2: Yeah, so a lot of that's classified. A lot of it has come out. Uh, I'm, I'm still not really at true liberty to discuss things even that have been, you know, printed in the Washington Post or wherever. But, uh, so you're sending us to
0: the Washington post to find, all right, there's going to be a follow-up show. I'm going to read from the Washington post. Things Robbie couldn't tell us, but okay. But I, and I don't want you, please don't cross any lines. I don't want my door busted down tomorrow at 6 a.m. But yeah, although it wasn't it'd be
1: good press for the show, Robbie. So if you right. do,
0: no,
2: we had we had sophisticated ways of finding these people, but um, it, but it did take a little bit of luck as well. And um, you know, I was it it was part of a signals uh, intelligence group, and so you know, we're basically we're using signals to find and identify okay. people.
0: Okay. Well, when we come back, I want to get into now your your perspective on all this and how it evolved, how it changed. Um, we're, we're here doing a special Veterans Day program straight from our office in downtown Las Vegas. We have Robbie Haglund, uh, Army, uh, Air Force, Air Force, right? Air Force Air veteran. Air Force. Air Force veteran, and uh, he's with us, a good friend of ours, and happy to have him today. We'll be back right after this. Alan Stock here.
1: I'm a veteran radio broadcaster here in the Las Vegas area for over 22 years. What's Right with Sam and Ash is a show to listen to, something to not miss. Every weekday live for one hour starting at 2 p.m. right here on AMA 40 KXNT. You can also get more of Sam and Ash, my legal team, on my Vegas Today show every Tuesday morning at 8.30. So stay tuned in because you
0: deserve what's right. All right, this Veterans Day program here with What's Right with Sam and Ash. Yes, I'm Sam. I'm Ash. We're here in studio in beautiful downtown Las Vegas from the usual spot. The office today is closed in observance of the holiday, but we are here broadcasting live uh, because today's an important day. We honor our vets. We remember them, think of them, honor them. We have our, our own vet here who we love. Robbie Hagland, Air Force veteran, who is telling us about his experience. Now, Robbie, right before the break, we we spoke about. You know, you're telling us about how you you um, you enlisted. You wanted to become a linguist. You went to the uh, place up in Monterey where they train all the linguists. You didn't get the language that you wanted. In fact, you got the one language you. Didn't want, and you told them you didn't want. So they almost—it seems to me like somebody read that maybe and was like, "Okay, this guy doesn't want that. I'm putting him in there." So you you became uh, you know marginally fluent at uh, Arabic, and in Arabic, and then eventually got deployed to a country that didn't speak Arabic. Correct. And so you go over there, and you 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 told us too. You enlisted for Forgotten Country. You were an idealistic young man, not a youth. And you also wanted some personal development, which I think a lot of people who join the military, I, I could be wrong, but a lot of younger people that I know that have joined, I, I think would have those two goals, you know, personal improvement, right? Something they want, something out of it for themselves professionally. Mm-hmm. But they also are are have a certain amount of idealism. Now, for many, you know, for many, that as the process, as the, their deployments, you know, went and, and they saw what they saw. I have heard from many veterans, some of that idealism wane. Now for you, and I understand every, everybody's story is different. This is, I'm not asking for everybody, you know, for, for veterans as a whole, but for you, what's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so for me, the, the big turning point was one of those days I was up in a, up in a prop plane and we found a guy that we'd been looking for for quite a while. And he made his way into a, you know, big mud hut um, that it, it looked kind of like a meeting place, like almost like a little lodge. And we had a colonel who was a Marine colonel and he was was, you know, trigger happy to be polite about it. And so this guy goes into that big mud hut and, you know, we hadn't had eyes on the building to see who was coming and going. And he, I could tell, wanted to just blow the thing up. And so I had actually been on the previous night that was a really slow mission. I bring my Kindle in case that happens. And I've been reading, <laughs> reading Civil Disobedience, which is not the thing that you bring to read when you're uh, in a combat <laughs> zone. But he, uh, so he asked, he said, you know, confirm that our target has entered that building uh, on the screen. And I replied to him knowing that all of these, even though they're secret missions, they still get recorded for after action reports in case something goes wrong so they can figure out where to lay the blame. So I came back on the radio after about 30 seconds trying to figure out what to do here. And I said, yes, uh, our target is in that building with an unknown number of women and civilians, women and children. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could just hear You know a pin drop on the other end of that radio and and he came back uh very upset in his voice and said roger that and uh we waited eventually he left and went up into the mountains where we were able to get him uh without you know risking anybody else but that was that was a big turning point for for me and kind of seeing how the war is prosecuted versus, you know, kind, kind of some of the high-minded rhetoric about being there to change the hearts and minds. And, you know, you you blow up somebody's family and it's going to be pretty hard to change their, their hearts and minds no matter, you know, you can have a million, you know, Bill Crystals or Liz Cheney's or whoever explaining about how this is good for them. And, and I just don't think that's going to resonate.
0: I think a lot of people have evolved in this position, even even as civilians, right in this country. Uh, I, I remember. I, I I think the authorization to use force in Iraq. Uh, there was one member of Congress that voted against it. So, yeah, Barbara you know, Lee here in California. There you go. So um, so and 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 um, and now what we had is you have. It, 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 today i mean now with hindsight right we see that maybe these wars were not the best idea you know we had a, a guy actually run for president in this country and and win criticizing the war in iraq he ran yeah, as a and republican which is uh, i mean unheard of and previously mm-hmm. in, in my lifetime um and, and criticizing you know I, I mean really just laying the
2: albatross of the iraq war on jeb bush's neck uh and you know I, I think trump did some really important things i think he gave republicans permission to turn on the neocons that had kind of been using the republican party i i they very parasitic force and you know a lot of them are still there but had had really just hollowed out all of the republican ideology which i i think people don't even remember that the republican party was, was kind of an anti-war party you know over the past hundred years until 9/11, that it was the the Democrats who were always, you know, wanted to get headlong into starting new wars and conflicts. Um, you know, you had you had maybe you know little little ones with Reagan, but mostly, you know, we're talking about Democrats who were the pro-war party, and the neocons really were able to turn that on its head by by leveraging and taking advantage of the idealism of Republicans and their love for democracy and freedom and what we have here and wanting to, you know, evangelically spread that around the world through military force.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that because I think that's, that's, that's one motivator. The other one of course is fear. And so you married those two after September 11th, people were fearful for their safety because for the first time, Many were actually touched by an act of war and, and and overt aggression that wasn't overseas. It wasn't at some remote embassy, but but hit in the heart of Manhattan. And then and and combining it, then repackaging it together with I love what you say about this 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 um, you know evangelical message uh, to spread democracy and American idealism abroad. Uh, that 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 sold, and I, I think it appealed to to broadly to to a, a, a huge section of the country. And the 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 end result of it, in your view, is what? Oh, I, I mean, the end result of the of the
2: mission has been, I think, uh, horrible on both those fronts. I, I think we've made people more reluctant to accept American ideals and uh, democracy and freedom. And uh, I think we've also made ourselves less safe in the process. I mean, one of my, I, I have very mixed feelings about General McChrystal, but he's the famous one who got fired by Obama after he uh, talked a lot of trash about Obama to a Rolling Stone reporter. And he has this thing that he calls terrorist math, where he says, you know, if you have 10 terrorists and you, uh, you kill two of them, how many terrorists do you have left? And you know, somebody will say eight and he says wrong, you have 20 because each of those guys you killed has friends, they have family members, they have other people who, who don't see what they were doing as so wrong that they deserve to die. And you have, you know, civilians on top of that who are totally innocent, who are getting killed. And so, you know, you have this threat of terrorism, I think, multiplying. And we've seen that with different terrorist groups cropping up Uh, and you know, the, the neocons will try to tell you, this is why we need to be in these places, uh, while they're simultaneously creating the reason for us to be in those need to be in those places. It's the, uh, the self licking ice cream cone that, that you'll hear people who are a little too political talking about all the time.
1: Yeah. Robbie, Uh, I remember when we hung out and and you told me about this terrorist math and it, it just, it was one of those things that I really took to heart and took home. And I, it's something I've thought about consistently when I evaluate our use of force overseas. And it's something I I think that doesn't get enough press and no one hears about it and thinks about it.
0: I also think, Robbie, one other thing here that, um, that is, or two things I'd like to get your impression on in our last segment, uh, after this quick break. And, And that's, I, one, the country doing it completely differently than us is China. You know they're building uh, roads and they're building hospitals and they're building military bases. They're putting countries into debt and bringing them into their sphere of influence through the use of money. They're not using their military. Um, the, the other side of this is there also is a, a, a result here uh, where we have now a military that is, is being pulled in a very different direction Along ideological lines, we are turning the military, in my view, and I want to get your impression on this, is it to this, is it into a social experiment, which is dangerous and I, I think then reduces our ability to fight. So uh, I'd like to get into that when we get back. Um, please hold on with us. Thank you. We've got Robbie Hagland here from uh, a good friend of ours who is um, a, a now retired but was in the Air Force, a veteran. On this Veterans Day broadcast, News Talk AM 840, KXNT. We'll be back right after this.
2: Salmonash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Salmonash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or SalmonashLaw.com because you deserve what's right.
0: And here we go, the What's Right Show with Salmonash rounding out the hour here on Veterans Day, November 11th. Great to have you all with us. Sam and Ash, both here in studio. We also have Robbie Hagland with us. Robbie is an uh, Air Force veteran who served in Afghanistan. We've known Robbie, both of us, a long, long time. And Robbie, uh, great to have you here with us, and thank you for, for joining us. Yeah, great to be here.
1: Yeah, and if anyone's missed what Robbie had to say in the prior segments, be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, because you can hear the whole story, and it's great.
0: Absolutely. Now, Robbie, right before, right before the break here, we we were talking, and you'd mentioned how you became a little disillusioned, little disillusioned with the military when you 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 realize that the the core mission or the alleged mission for hearts and minds, you know, kind of kind of, and I'm I'm not putting words in your mouth, but how would you describe it? Maybe kind of, yeah, I mean, got a I little think, out of hand.
2: Uh, yeah, and, and whether you want to say it was incompetence or or you know, be more cynical than that and say you know that winning hearts and minds was never really the plan and the plan was to you know enrich a bunch of contractors i i think there's probably people in both camps um i i think especially in the republican party you'll find a lot of true believers that thought we were going to be able to do this and you had a lot of people who were cynically using the belief of others in order to enrich themselves
0: and their friends i am not of the opinion personally that we should not spread american influence abroad i realize the double negative there but uh, putting it um, a little more clearly. I think we should spread our influence around the world. I think it's important for us to remain a superpower. I think America, even in its most decrepit form, is still a better superpower than China, for example. And I wanted your reaction to this because I, as a casual observer of what's going on here, I I see China – in a lot of ways, doing it right and using the right playbook the and, and and us looking back at the last 20 years, bombing the hell out of everybody as being kind of the wrong playbook. What, what do you think about that?
2: Well, yeah, it's a weird thing where, you know, China is using what should be the pro-freedom uh, strategy in order to implement their totalitarianism. And we are using the Chinese totalitarian strategy to try to implement freedom. And uh, it, it makes not one bit of sense. But I think. Uh, you know, especially I think you can relate to this as uh, someone who is the son of immigrants and also one of the biggest cheerleaders for America who I know is that, you know, a far better way of spreading democracy, I think, because I do still believe in that as well. I believe in, you know, spreading freedom, spreading American ideals that I think the the best way we can do it is by bringing people here who are compatible with American values and who we think will succeed and thrive in an American climate and I think that both you know refreshes the belief in the American dream here at home but also those people become really really great emissaries to their their friends and family back home and Whatever those people here in the media, they're going to trust the boots on the ground of their friends who emigrated to the United States more than they're going to trust, you know,
0: Don Lemon about what America is. I I couldn't agree more, uh, and I think that's I think that's true. And I think it's for me, I'm 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 personally we maybe differ a little bit on this point, but I, I'm I'm pro immigration. I just want to be selective about it, you know, and I I don't want people here who hate our country my right. parents came here because literally to them, this America in 1977 was the last beacon of hope. I mean, it was the last place on earth that they thought that, that, yeah. that, that they thought they would be safe and I, from, from the Soviets, you know?
2: Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. I don't think there's any reason that we couldn't be selective. That's, that's something we can choose to do. Um, it's something that we chose not to do when we left Afghanistan this year. And, uh, Left behind a lot of great people who stuck their necks out for America and who wanted to live a more American lifestyle um, and to embrace our values, and we left a ton of those people behind uh,
0: who would have made great citizens of this country. We left, but I absolutely the the one of the most shameful legacies of this administration that we have in office right now is abandoning. Those those folks over there that were that bought in
1: mm-hmm.
0: entirely to America and Ashley and I had a show a while back and you know and we, we were talking about the America haters. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but but you know around the world we have a fan club. You people don't realize they don't travel and they don't leave their village, right? But when you get out there in the world, you realize that that the haters, the people that dis- dislike America and crap on it all the time. They're on CNN, and they write for The Washington Post and for The New York Times, and we hear a lot from them because of this echo chamber within this country. But you go out, you travel, people love America. They love what we're about, and they want to come here. And I, so I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you won't see a lot on CNN of you know Hong
2: Kong protesters waving American flags and singing the American national anthem. So yeah, I, I, you're 100% right on that.
0: Now, I I always I like this as an analogy. You know, you've got a big kid on the playground, right? I was never the big kid on the playground, so I'm saying this is, is the runt. Okay, so the big kid on the playground, he's 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 a strong guy. Now, what's the difference between protector and bully, right? And 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 what is the difference there in terms of how people gravitate to him? And and I you know I think it's important for America for our military to be strong and to be powerful it is you know I, yeah. and i and i think you know i want to no, get, so, want yeah to, absolutely cattle ready, but at the same time not to be a bully in the world
2: sure and i think it's it's kind of it's um it's taking what what a lot of service members have at the individual level they go in to be that protector they go in to uh be you know what they analogize to the sheepdog you know sheepdogs are vicious dogs Capable of tearing apart wolves, and will protect the flock by tearing apart wolves. But they're very friendly to the sheep. They're very friendly to the family, and I, you know, I, I think that's what most people who go into the military they go in because that's what they want to be, and then they enter a system that uh, that is not that. And um, I, you know, I, I think it's something too that when we talk about you know veteran suicides at uh, thirty thousand veterans have, have killed themselves since uh, 2001 and uh, you know that's a lot more than, than have died in combat. You know, 7,000 have died in combat and that includes contractors or about half of that and a lot of what I think these the cause you know there's a lot of causes but I think one of the big causes is that disillusionment that you know going in to do a certain mission and then not being allowed to do that mission and be, being forced into being the bully instead of being the protector. Uh, and I think something that could help a lot of veterans who are struggling is to find that sense of mission and sense of purpose other places. Um, you know, I, I think what you guys do is a great example of that, where probably your listeners, you know, who are, who are the flock, they're the family. Uh, they don't see that side of you guys probably as much, but, but what you've built is in many senses that sheepdog, uh, protection where, you know, you save that viciousness for, uh, insurance companies who are trying to take advantage of people who have been hurt. You guys serve as that, as that, uh, person on the playground who is not the bully, but who's the protector. So it's not surprising to me at all to, to hear you talk about, you know, how you kind of gravitate toward that figure, because I think in many ways, that's what you guys have become here
1: well thank you robbie
0: well i appreciate that robbie i think it's true i think that uh, a lot of times we are we you know I'm ve- we're very different speaking to a client uh and their family than we are sp- when we're on the phone with with the defense attorney you know and it's a it's a different it's it's a you're absolutely right it's it, there's an analogy there and, and you're yeah. you're correct i i i know it's hard because we're we're a whole hour has just evaporated like that I, we would love to have you back because I do want to get to that, yeah. that military, you know, and the, for lack of a better term, wokeness, right? And, and my, sure. I think a lot of people are concerned we're not battle ready and we're we're deteriorating. So I do want to get to that at some point, maybe next week or the week after we can have you back for that.
2: That'd be great. And if I could just say one more thing on, you know, concerning Veterans Day, yeah, I, I think we all know what's happened here at home with a loss of freedom. And if you want to, Express gratitude to the people who are willing to die for your freedom. Uh, start behaving like free people, and I, I think that would go a long way to easing the disillusionment of people who are told they're going to fight for American
0: freedoms abroad and then come home to tyranny at home. Wow, couldn't say it better. Happy Veterans Day! Thank You're you. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. On News Talk Gaming 40 KXMT. We'll see you tomorrow.